If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Judges chapter 3, verse 31. Uh, announcements that I mentioned earlier. We have a business meeting on the 17th of April. And we have a Good Friday service on the 19th. Uh, keep that in mind. I forgot to ask for pledges, so if you have pledges for the uh, insurance, um, we'll get it after. <laughs> give it to Alice, she'll take care of it. Judges chapter 3, verse 31 says, And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. Uh, speak for a few minutes tonight and the title if you like titles is it's just a stick Amen. So let's pray together one more time that God would move and call us and speak to us Jesus hallelujah God I thank you for your presence God in your anointing that's here I pray in your name God you would move God, continue to work. I pray, God, speak to us directly. God, challenge us. I pray, call us in Jesus' name. God, draw us closer to you. I pray in your name, Jesus. God, I pray, God, take us further in dedication and consecration to you. I pray in your name. God, anoint our ears to hear your word. God, anoint my mouth to speak it. I pray in Jesus' name. Let your will be done in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated if you promise to respond to the word. Come to the altar after. Anyways, Judges chapter 3. You're already sitting. It's too late. To... Judges chapter 3, verse 31 says, And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. Probably trying to figure out where I'm going with this. But we'll figure it out eventually. In Bible school, um... When we were in Bible school, there was a book that was extremely popular. It was called The Prayer of Jabez. I don't know if you've read this or not. I wasn't a fan of it. Basically, this guy stumbled upon two verses in the Bible. There's a guy named Jabez, and all he prays that God would bless him and give him all these things. So he wrote a whole book about how we need to ask God for all these things. Which, I don't know. It's fine, it's fine I guess, but that's not what all it's all about. Amen. So we, it kind of bothered me a bit because I get offended easily. <laughs> I'm getting better at that. So we had to read this book and we had to write a report on it, what we thought about the book and my report was quite negative. But it, it blew my mind that this guy could find these two verses and make this whole doctrine on it. And so later on that year, we had an assignment from our teacher to uh, write an essay on a judge. And you know, you got, you got Samson, there's some good stories in there. You got Deborah, you know, you got Samuel, all these guys with a bunch of verses, a lot of stories, a lot of things that happened. And then I found Shamgar and I was like, well, if a guy can write a whole book on two verses, I can write an essay on one verse. So this is how I came across Shamgar. And Shamgar is, the story of Shamgar, or the verse of Shamgar, is right in the middle of my favorite story, Ehud. 
Judges chapter 3 still tells the story of Ehud and the king Eglon, who was very fat, the Bible says. And Ehud um, took a sword, hit it, put it in his stomach. It was good times. And right at the end, he, Ehud led Israel to victory. And right at the end of that story, there's a verse here that we read. There's a little verse that's just thrown in there. kind of looks like an afterthought. It tells the story of Ehud, and then the next verse after Shamgar says that Ehud died. Like, it just continues on the story, and just threw Shamgar in there. Like, like, oh yeah, there was this guy, Shamgar. He was there too. He did some stuff. And it was like he was an afterthought, and sometimes we can feel like that. Sometimes we can feel like we're not important. We can feel like we're just an afterthought. We fall between the cracks, it seems. And I've been there myself, with life, with church, with everything. I always kind of felt like an underdog. We applied to go and aim three times before we finally, they finally paid attention to the application. We waited five years to do that. We, at work, I was passed over time and again for promotions, even though I was there forever. Even though I knew how to do everything, I was doing everybody else's job. You know what it's like, right? We all think we do everybody else's job. Some of us do. <laughs> You know, I never called in sick. I was there all the time. Whenever they called me in, I would come. I'd stay late. I was always there. But I was just, I don't know. They didn't see anything. They didn't see I was good enough to be promoted or whatever. And even in church sometimes, it's felt like we've been passed over. But Jesus sees. Jesus always sees. And he's paying attention. It doesn't matter who else notices. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or says, he notices and he Amen. cares. Amen. All you need to do is be faithful and he will open right. the doors. Amen. So this story, Israel, they didn't have much leadership going on. If you read through Judges, they were just, some guy would rise up and deliver them. And then they would just go do whatever they wanted until they got in a mess again. And then they'd be like, oh God, save us. And he's like, okay, I'll do it again. And it's the story of Judges. It just goes through cycles. And they didn't have much leadership. They were just kind of running around willy-nilly, doing whatever they wanted. And they'd been under Moab for a while, and he had to just deliver them. And now the Philistines started attacking. They were delivered from one enemy, and another enemy comes along. And isn't that just the way life goes? Amen. <laughs> one thing, go, you, know, you get over one thing, and then something else happens. One thing down, another thing comes along. Something else comes up. If it's not one thing, it's another. So the Philistines, they started attacking, and nobody seemed to be standing up. Nobody seemed to be doing anything about it. But you see, there was this guy named Shamgar, and maybe he had seen and heard about the story of Ehud. Maybe he had heard about the things that this guy had done, just walked in there, killed the king, set everybody free. Maybe he had heard about these things. And as a result of that, he felt like, I can do that too. He saw somebody else do something incredible for God, and it, it sparked something in him. And he said, maybe if that guy can do it, I can do it too. And when we step out for God, other people are going to see, and other people are going to notice, and you're going to inspire somebody else. We talked this morning about your testimony, how you share that with somebody, and then somebody else realizes that, oh, if they can do that, God can do that for them, he can do it for me. If God can heal their broken heart, he can heal mine. And when you take a step out, when you worship, and you pray, and you, you teach that Bible study, or you minister in some way, or you, you serve somebody else, 
will follow. Somebody else will do it. All it takes is one person stepping out and saying, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to work for God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him what I have. And somebody else goes, hey, I can do that too. And it starts something. Amen. Amen. We get inspired and it creates sort of a culture where people see your faith. They are inspired to believe too. And there's a chain reaction. If somebody else can step out. Maybe I can. So the Philistines, they start attacking. Along comes Shamgar with an ox goad. Do you know what that is? It's a stick. It's a big old stick with a point at the end. That's all it is. It's a fancy word for a pointy stick. You would use it when you're plowing and the oxen weren't doing what you wanted them to do or they got lazy and decided I don't want to do anything now. You would give them a poke with the stick and they would go on their way. Straighten them out. That's all it was. Just a big pointy stick. And he just destroys 600 Philistines with a pointy stick. With a stick. That's incredible. He didn't have any newfangled weapons. He didn't have state-of-the-art technology. He didn't even have a sword or a sling. Just a stick. He didn't have all that stuff. He didn't have an army. He didn't have a team with him. He didn't have a group of other guys with sticks and shovels and pitchforks. He just had a stick. He didn't have a sword, a shield, a spear, or a dagger. All he had was God and a stick. And Jesus has given each of us something different. He has made us all different. He has given us all different skills, different talents, different personalities, different abilities, and different gifts. And how often do we get caught comparing what we have with somebody else? How many times do we sell God short with excuses? We feel to go pray for someone, but we feel like, oh, I'm not worthy. I can't do that. You know, let somebody else do it. Let somebody else pray for them. Let somebody else teach a Bible study. Let somebody else invite that person to church. Let somebody else do it. We feel like we're not good enough. How many times do we hold back the Holy Ghost from moving with our excuses? We say, I'm not good enough or I'm too young. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're too old. I'm too fat or awkward or bald. I use that. Nobody wants to listen to a bald-headed freak. I go into places, I'm embarrassed. I should have hair, I'm not that old. But here we are. We can use it as an excuse. We can use our appearance as an excuse. Nobody wants to listen to me. I look ridiculous. And I'm growing into it. Eventually it'll be fine. You may think I'm too new in the church, or I'm too broken, I'm too tired, I'm too outspoken, or I'm too quiet, I'm too inexperienced. We find these things that make us who we are, and we make excuses. We compare ourselves to the other. We say, I'm not like this person, so I can't do it. I'm not like this pastor, so I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not like this saint, you know, I'm not outgoing like this person, so God's not going to be able to use me that way. I'm not this, I'm not that. We make excuses, we compare ourselves, we sell ourselves short, and, and a result of that, we sell God short. Amen. Amen. He wants to use us, and He wants to work with us. I don't even know if you've noticed, there's been sort of a theme running yeah. lately. Amen. God wants to use us, right. each one of us, individually. He wants to use us, and He wants to work with us. Amen. 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 
says, For we dare not make ourselves out of the number or compare ourselves with that with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. He says it's not wise to compare yourselves among yourselves. It's not wise to look at Ron and say, well, I, I'm not as outgoing as him. Or to look at Sherman and say, oh, I'm not as handsome as he is. <laughs> or say, you know, I'm not, I'm not this, I'm not that. And we can look around and we can say these things and we start comparing ourselves among ourselves. The Bible says it's not a wise thing to do, so stop it. <laughs> when we compare ourselves, we make excuses. And we handcuff the Holy Ghost from having his way. The Bible says that we are his hands and his feet. Amen. Amen. Jesus is saying, you see that person, I want to heal them, but I want you to go pray for them. You see that person, they want to come to this church, but they need somebody to invite them. You see that person, they need a Bible study. They need somebody to teach them. And we say, oh no, it can't happen. Not me, not me, I'm not, I'm not whatever. We make excuses. They need a Bible study, I want you to teach it. Not me, I'm not smart enough. There's a people, there's a nation that need to hear about my name. I can't go because whatever. We make excuses. I'm too old or young, inexperienced. I don't have the money. We bring up things from our past that God's forgotten and washed away. We bring it up and we say, I can't do it because of this thing that I've done. Moses was scared. Moses couldn't even speak properly. He stuttered. But God used him. Gideon was scared and God find, found him hiding behind a wine press. But he used him. Philippians 4 verse 13. We know this verse. Everyone quotes it all the time. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So either that verse is true or it's not. If you believe the rest of the Bible, you've got to believe that too. You can't just pick and choose what you believe in the Bible. It's either all true or all false. If you believe something, you've got to believe that I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Either we can do all things or we can't. Either he's our provider or he's not. Either we are anointed or we're not. Either we're called out or not or sanctified, saved, sent. Either we're workers in his kingdom or we're not. What, what is it? What do you believe? You can't pick and choose in the Bible. You've got to take it all. It all comes down to to this. <clears throat> There's no excuse that's good enough. I can do all things through Christ. Whatever he's calling me to do, I can do it because he gives me strength. It's not about me. Shamgar could have said, sorry God, I can't do it. I don't have a sword. I've just got a stick. This doesn't even make sense. A stick. You can't even like it just it could break. It's a stick. I can't do it. Samson could have said, I can't fight. All I've got is this jawbone of a donkey. David could have said, I can't fight Goliath. All I have is a sling. Peter said, could have said, I can't preach on the day of Pentecost because I just sinned and betrayed Jesus and said I didn't even know who he was. I denied him a few weeks ago. Paul could have said, I can't change the world. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. Anyone can make excuses, but in the end, it doesn't hold up. We all have different skills. Callings, abilities, and talents were all made differently, and God has a plan for each one of us. We are all called, we are all anointed, we are all saved, chosen, and important to His kingdom. We all have something 
different in our hands. Shamgar had an ox goat. Samson had a jawbone. David had a sling. Ehud had a dagger. Peter had experience with Jesus. Paul had an education. But when we put it into the hands of God, there's no telling what can happen. It's just a stick. It's just my personality. It's just my past. It's just my testimony. It's nothing big or important. It's just a talent. It's just a passion. It's just a burden. It's just a calling. But when we put it into the hands of God, it's so much more than that. Glory. Hallelujah. When what you have may seem small and insignificant in the hands of God, it is so much more. He made man from dirt. He filled empty pots with oil and all they had to do was be empty. And he filled them. He made a fire fall and burn a sacrifice that was wet. All he had to offer was a wet sacrifice. And God honored it. He used a stuttering man to lead and to speak to an entire nation. To write the first five books of the Old Testament. And you know, they didn't write those down right away. They were orally given. Moses had to read all of those out over and over and over. He was a stutterer, and God used him. That's crazy. You remember in class, when there was that one kid that stuttered, and it came, you were in English, and you had to go around and read a paragraph? God used that guy to do it. He used a guy that was hiding to lead an army of wild, a wild army of 300 men to victory. He took a shepherd and made him a king. He took a Pharisee and made him a missionary. He took a few loaves and fish and fed thousands. It's just a stick, we say. It may not seem like a lot, but with God, it's enough. There's a man named Dick Hoyt and his son Rick. His son Rick was born with cerebral palsy. And he's in a wheelchair. He can't do much. He can't run, he can't walk, he can't do much. They said when he was born, they told his parents that he'd be a vegetable and that they should put him in an institution because there's nothing they could do for him. And his parents didn't accept it. They took hope. They noticed that when they moved around the room, his eyes would follow them. So they knew there was something there. And they worked hard and they taught him the alphabet. They taught him words. When he was 11 years old, he was fitted with a computer after they, they pressured the doctors over and over. They finally gave in. They fitted him with a computer that helped him speak and communicate. And they learned that he actually was pretty smart. And he, there was a local lacrosse player that had an accident. And he became paralyzed. And, and Rick decided that he wanted to, to race to show this guy that life goes on. He wanted to inspire this, this other guy. I went through this accident, now he was in a wheelchair, and he was frustrated, he wanted to inspire him. But you know, Rick is in a wheelchair, he can't run. So he says to his father, I want, I want to run this race, I want to inspire, I want to help. And his father wasn't a runner, but he agreed to do it to help him anyway because he loved his son. So in 1977, Dick and Rick Hoyt entered their first race together. I don't know, you maybe have seen videos of this, but it's incredible. The father runs and pushes his son in a wheelchair. And his son said to his father, when I'm running, I don't feel like I'm handicapped. And they just kept running. 
And as of March 2016, they retire now because um, Dick is in his 70s. Uh, but they had completed or competed in 1,130 endurance events, including 72 marathons and seven Ironman triathlons. He would push them in the wheelchair when they would run. He had a bike and put them on the front. They had a tandem bike on the little biking part. And he had a little kind of boat. He had a little boat that he would, he would pull them on when they swam. <clears throat> they ran the Boston Marathon 32 times. And also in 92, they, they ran the full 3,735 3, miles across the United States in 45 days. And they inspired thousands of people. They impacted thousands of people. Rick graduated from Boston University and worked in special education, helping them develop programs to, to help people like, like him communicate and develop technology like that. And his father says, we still haven't figured out what kind of vegetable he's supposed to be. <laughs> to the world, it seemed like Rick didn't have much to offer. But he placed what he had into the hands of his father. And he carried him through. He placed what he had into the hands of his father, and his father carried him through. And together they accomplished incredible things. And it may feel like you don't have a lot to offer. But if you place it in the hands of your father, he can help you do incredible things. He can carry you places you never thought you could go. Places other people thought you would never be able to go. Ehud killed one man and had 30 verses dedicated to him. Shamgar took out 600 with a stick and got one verse. But it's not about recognition. Amen. Do what God's called you to do anyway. It's about Jesus and it's his kingdom. It's not about our name. It's about his name. Some of the greatest Christians I know, some of the people that have influenced me the most are unsung heroes. I've told you about a lot of them. There was Bessie, Peter, Bernie Hanscom, Mike... Benson, the missionary, Mike Long, Roger Leckie, Neil Jocelyn. I don't want to mention people's names here because I don't want to compare and compete. We've already talked about that. Nobody knows most of these people, but they've all had huge impacts on my life because they were willing to take what they had and gave it to Jesus. And give it to Jesus. They took their talents, their personality, and their time. Bessie was my Sunday school teacher. We used to pray in Sunday school. We used to have moves of God in our Sunday school class. People would be speaking in tongues and praying for each other when we were, I can't even talk. We were 11, 12 years old. God would just move in and just minister. There's Peter Wright that would pray all the time. He'd be in the church all the time praying. You could go any time of the day, either him or one of his sons would be there. You turn the light on, there they are praying in the dark. Oh, sorry, Peter. Shut the light off. And go do something else. But they were always there praying. And it made such an impact. I remember growing up. When there was a guy. Bernie Hanscom. He was a thousand years old. As far as I know. I don't know. He fought in the war. And I remember. Whenever we had testimony services. He would get up. And he would tell about how he had been in the war. And how God had saved him. And spared his life. And how he learned how to pray. When he was in those trenches. And I just remember that speaking to me. 
That if that guy can go through all of that, then surely I can go through what I'm going through. We were on AIM with the Bensons, and Mike Benson is not a guy that a lot of people know. When you list missionaries, he probably won't be on your list just because of who he is. He's not in your face. He's not loud. He's not... I don't know. Most people wouldn't think anything. But he's one of the most like, impactful people I've ever met. I saw him for a couple of hours in St. Louis a few months ago, and I still haven't got over it. <laughs> Mike Long, you know, we pray for them and their family. He took me on a trip overseas for the first time, just some random kid impacted my life. I saw how somebody acted as a Christian. I didn't have that father figure. I didn't have some guy showing me what you're supposed to do. And he just, just lived his life and impacted me. Roger Leckie, the guy out of St. John Church, retired, and now he's there every day. Just doing the books, just doing, going through everything, just volunteering, just helping. He's always one of the first ones up at the altar, walking back and forth, praying. Every time, every service, no matter what's going on in his life, he's been through a lot of stuff, but he's just always going. Neil Johnson was my youth pastor. Nobody really noticed Neil. He's just solid, one of those guys, always the same, no matter what. And these people, I list them off. If you've never been to the church, you wouldn't know who they are, but they all made impacts because they just gave God what they had. When we give God what we have, it doesn't matter if anyone knows us. It doesn't matter if anybody knows our name, sings our praises. This is about Jesus. Amen. King Saul failed because he was jealous of David and his accomplishments. He thought everything was about him and he started comparing himself to David and he failed because of that. It's not about what somebody else is doing. It's not about what God's doing in somebody else's life. It's about Jesus and his kingdom. It's about his will and his plan, his purpose. It's about changing the world where we are. It's about submitting to Jesus and letting him use us. Let him take your talents. Let him take your time. Let him take your money, your knowledge, your personality, your past, your future, your hurts, your questions, your family, your doubts, your faith. Let him... Take it. Give it to him. Put it in his hands. What can he do with it? Whatever you allow him to do. David gave him a sling. All the other boys in the country probably had slings. They all knew how to shoot the rocks. But he put it in his hands. God did incredible things through that. The whole army was scared. This little boy with a sling took out the giant. It's just a stick, Shamgar. Can't do anything with that. All it's good for is poking an ox to tell it to move. It's just a stick, but he had a huge victory because he let God use him. And what you have may seem small. You may feel like you don't have a lot to offer, but in the hands of God, who knows what could happen. David had a sling and a stone. Moses had a stutter. Peter had a personality that would drive you crazy. But they put it in the hands of God, and he did incredible things through him. Put your life into the hands of Jesus. 
and see what he can do. Say, here I am. I don't have much, but use me anyway. Here I am. I may not be the best. I may not be, I might not have the most hair. I may not be the funniest. I may not be the smartest. I may not be whatever. I may not be even the most faithful, but I just want you to use me. Take me. Take my life. Use my life. So look, it's up to you. We can keep on doing the same old thing. We can keep selling ourselves and God short. We can keep comparing ourselves and making excuses or we can put what we've got into the hands of Jesus. And we can watch him do something amazing. It's just a stick. Give it to him anyways. It's just my testimony. Give it to him anyways. It's just my story. Give it to him anyways. It's just my past. Give it to him anyways. It's just my my hands. Give them to him anyways. Give it to him. It's just a stick. Give it to him and let him use it. You have no idea what he can do with a stick. You have no idea what he can do with a sling. You have no idea what he can do with your education, what you've been through, your testimony. You have no idea what he can do with it. So give it to him. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand, please. Hallelujah. I'm here not because I'm amazing, or the most talented, or the most anything really I've always been at the bottom I talked about that earlier but I'm here because I said God take my life and use my life use me however you can we may not feel like we have a lot to offer but when we give it to God he can do things through us that nobody else Stop coming. Nobody thought that Shamgar could kill a guy. 600 Philistines with a stick. If I gave you a stick and said, go fight that army, you'd think I was crazy. But God was in it. And God used it. We're going to take some time and pray. And just pray that we spend some time dedicated life to God. Just surrendering to Him because He has so much for us still. It's not too late. You're not too far gone or too old or too anything or too whatever. We need to stop making excuses and let God use us. So church is going to sing. I just want us to pray. I just want us to find a spot. I want to pray to sing or pray at the altar. Just, just spend some time and pray and dedicate our lives to God. Say, God, I don't have a lot, but what I have, you can use. I've only got a couple loaves and fish, but if you can use it, take it. I've only got a stick, but if you can use it, take it. I've only got myself, and maybe I have weaknesses, but use me. God's going to break this place wide open. He's going to minister through you in ways that you never thought possible if we would just surrender to him. In Jesus' name, you don't need to be anything. Just be who God made you to be and let him use you. Let's pray. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Hallelujah.